A quick note before I begin the actual episode. I refer throughout to a book as Nothing Ever Happens at the North Pole, when in fact the book is called Nothing Ever Happens at the South Pole. This is, of course, my fault entirely. I didn't have a copy of the book on the table with me when I was recording. But I like to think that, in the back of my mind, nothing ever happens at the North Pole just sounds a lot better than nothing ever happens at the South Pole. There's some nice alliteration between the words North and nothing, and I think artistically, I knew that that was the better option. I'll be looking at this book later on in the series, so I just wanted to let you all know that I wasn't being stubborn or belligerent or completely uneducated. It was an honest mistake, and I hope it doesn't ruin your enjoyment of the episode. Hello, and welcome to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I am Phil Gonzalez, your host and tour guide through the wild, wacky, and woolly world of Bear Country. Now, before we get started on our next book, I wanted to share a little personal reminiscence. For my eighth birthday, I was given a bicycle, a beautiful black bicycle. It was exactly what I wanted. I remember my parents wheeling it out during my birthday party and all my friends being like, wow, ooh, wow. It was pretty exciting to be given your first bicycle, and I never learned to ride it. I never actually learned to ride a bicycle. I still can't to this very day. So our book this episode is a little personal for me. It's the Berenstain Bears, The Bike Lesson. And for a lot of reasons, it's groundbreaking. For me, it's groundbreaking because it's about a kid learning how to ride a bike. And surprisingly, he does it in about an afternoon, something that I've never been able to accomplish in over 30 years. So kudos to you, small bear. Uh, Before we get tackling the actual plot, a little background. Now, the first book uh, in the Berenstain Bear series was The Big Honey Hunt, if you remember from last episode. After the success of The Big Honey Hunt, the Berenstains got to talking to Dr. Seuss and said, you know, what what should we do? We're thinking, you know, we have these bear characters. Let's just keep going. And Dr. Seuss said, no, 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 no. The last thing you want to do is get caught up in a series. A series will be the death of you. You're going to get sick of it as soon as it gets started. Now, you're going to want to do something completely different. Don't touch the bears again. Just do something completely different. And this threw Stan and Jan Berenstain. You see, the reason the big honey hunt looked the way it did and felt the way it did was because in the writing process, Dr. Seuss said, what you need to do is you need to figure out exactly who these bears are. You know, what kind of tobacco does the papa smoke? Uh, what does their house look like? How does their house work? You know, how long have they lived there? Where do they live in this place? Why do they dress the way they do? What do they do for a living? You have to get inside these characters before you can even begin to write about them. You have to really understand them. And the Berenstain said, oh, great, great, we, we will do exactly that. So they spent a lot of time inside the heads of these characters before they wrote the book. When they were done, they felt, well, this is great. Now we really know these characters. And then for Dr. Seuss to turn around and say, now let him go, just seemed impossible to them. But he was the expert. The Berenstains you know, were new to the whole process. And so they said, okay. And so they wrote a completely different book, a book about a penguin uh, called Nothing Ever Happens at the North Pole. They were very proud of it. But when they turned it in, Dr. Seuss was fairly positive. And then he said, you know what, though? We've had a look at the numbers. And we think it'd be a really good idea for you to go back to these bears. People are pretty excited about the bears. So the next book, The Berenstain Bears, The Bike Lesson. Groundbreaking in several ways. First, it is the actual first Berenstain Bears book. The first book that said the Berenstain Bears on the cover, much to the surprise of Stan and Jan Berenstain. They had no idea it was going to be called that. They thought it was kind of weird because the bears are not named Berenstain. The bears are just the bears. It was also the first book in which they were referred to on the cover as Stan and Jan Berenstain. They had gone by Stanley and Janice in the first book, and then Dr. Seuss said it rhymes better. 
to call you Stan and Jan, and Stan and Jan is what you call each other. That's what you should call yourself, Stan and Jan. It's it's friendlier. It sounds better on a kid's book cover, and it fits a lot better. And so they did. So what is this book about? Well, it is about Small Bear getting a new bicycle and Papa Bear saying he's going to teach him how to ride it. And Papa Bear not doing a very good job. It sets up a new pattern in this. The Big Honey Hunt was just basically a follow that bee Papa keeps going to the wrong tree story. This is the formula that they will stick with very specifically, which is Papa's going to try to teach Small Bear how to do something step by step. Each step is a different rule or lesson that Papa demonstrates incorrectly. And then Papa will say, you see what I just did? Don't ever do that. It also involves Papa getting hurt in many, many, many ways, much to the delight of Small Bear and to any small children I happen to read this book to. Uh, it starts off with Small Bear getting this big, beautiful red bicycle. And not to give away too much, but Small Bear is going to have this bicycle for many decades. This is the familiar Small Bear bicycle, soon to be the Brother Bear bicycle. We see the bear's house. We see Mama in her usual clothes. We see Papa in his usual clothes. The bears still look like they did in the first book, very fuzzy, very long claws, long fingernails, big banana noses. But the first thing you notice right off the bat is this is a much more assured hand drawing these characters. It's not quite as loosey-goosey as the first book. It's looking a little bit more like Stan and Jan Berenstain's magazine work. Uh, they're in the house. Papa Bear falls off the bike first thing, crashes right to the ground, smashes his head on the ground. They're, oh, they're not wearing helmets again. This is Many decades before helmet use. So uh, Papa Bear falls off the bike. He starts teaching Small Bear. They go riding down the road. Papa Bear smashes into a low-hanging branch. Papa Bear smashes into some rocks and goes flying way up in the air. Papa Bear lands in a chimney. Papa Bear ends up sinking in a mud puddle. Papa Bear goes careening down a hill and smashes into a farm. And here's where we're going to stop because for the first time, in the Berenstain Bears book, we are introduced to another anthropomorphic animal, a farmer who lives near the bears, supposedly still in bear country. We are within bicycle riding distance from the bear's house. Uh, Papa Bear is teaching Small Bear how to ride a bike. They cannot have gone terribly far, but there is a farm within walking and biking distance of the bear's treehouse. Now, for those of you familiar with later books in the Berenstain Bear series, you might think, well, this is obviously Farmer Ben, friendly Farmer Ben who lives just you know, around the corner of the bear's house, has a farm, you know, raises animals, grows prized pumpkins. But no, the reason we know this is not Farmer Ben is because it is not a bear. That's right. This is not a bear. It is some sort of wolf, weasel hybrid. I I'm going to just go ahead and say wolf. This is definitely not a bear. This is, this is a wolf. Let's just say this is a wolf. And he starts chasing Papa Bear, who hides under a bridge. Uh, the next thing that happens is Papa Bear goes down the wrong road and falls off a cliff. And then he's helped up by Small Bear. They go riding down a freeway. Let's take note that there is a freeway running through bear country on which is a large delivery truck. So this isn't a small country road. This is a paved freeway with a center line. Papa Bear stops paying attention to the road, causes a major pileup. And here we have the next milestone in Berenstain Bears history. In bear country, we see not one, not two, not three, but 11 cars. He causes an 11-car pileup. What is interesting about this 11-car pileup? It does not have a single bear in it. The drivers are a pig, another pig, a dog, a wolf, another pig, a wolf, a rabbit. It looks like another pig, maybe a dog. They get pretty sketchy there near the back. Before I go any further with the plot, I want to discuss this little development. Bear country is known as bear country, presumably because it is the home of bears. 
Now, the presence in the second book of many different anthropomorphic animals can suggest several things. One, that adjacent to bear country is pig country, dog country, wolf country, rabbit country. It could also imply that before the bears' major plot lines began, bear country was far more varied. It wasn't referred to as bear country yet. Maybe there were other anthropomorphic animals living there. Maybe bears were just another part of their society and that it was not uncommon to go into town and see wolves and weasels and rabbits and pigs. Maybe the bears took over. And maybe as the bears moved in, other animals moved out. Maybe the bears were a little more wild than they proved to be. Uh, maybe the predator-prey system was still in effect. Or maybe bears were seen by others as a reason to move out. I don't know if I want to go there, but there seems to be an implication somewhere along the line that other anthropomorphized animals chose to leave bear country. I don't want to think they were driven out, because at this point we haven't seen many bears. But we've seen a lot of other animals. Maybe they moved. There's weird speciesist and racist implications there that I'm not going to touch on probably again until the Berenstain Bears' new neighbors, and that's not going to be for quite a while. But in any case, Papa Bear causes a major pileup and eventually is driven home by Small Bear on the handlebars of the bike, another incredibly dangerous thing to do on a bicycle. So what are we exploring? Well, let's look. New characters. We got a wolf farmer. We've got pigs and rabbits and other animals in their trucks and cars. Uh, we have the introduction of a giant hill that leads to a cliff. We have the introduction of a freeway. This is a huge development, the freeway. Where does it come from? Where is it going to? We don't know yet. We have the introduction of Small Bear's Red Bicycle, which will come into play, specifically come into play, in the Berenstain Bears and the Green-Eyed Monster. Stan and Jan Berenstain have said that Mama Bear was not a character in these early books, and she indeed isn't. She is simply there to be a presence in the doorway as Papa Bear and Small Bear say goodbye. Uh, interesting little factoid is that the characters of Small Bear and Papa Bear were, I don't want to say they were based on, but Dr. Seuss asked Stan and Jan Berenstain to come up with actors who would play these roles. He said that in order to really understand your characters, you have to cast the movie. Uh, again, Seuss had studied filmmaking, and so he kind of looked at everything from a filmmaking perspective. And so they chose uh, Wallace Beery and Jackie Cooper from the 1931 film The Champ as the basis for Papa Bear and Small Bear. And while Papa Bear and Small Bear's story never gets quite as tragic as the characters in The Champ, uh, you can kind of see it. You know, the kind of well-meaning uh, but gruff uh, father figure and then the small, adoring uh, little boy who follows him around. I mean, it, it seems like an archetype now, but I guess at the time that was something to really grab onto. So there we have it, the bike lesson. The second Berenstain Bears book, the first official Berenstain Bears book, and the third children's book after Nothing Ever Happens at the North Pole, which interestingly enough, got lost for many decades and was only found again in the basement of the Berenstain's house in 2012 when it was published by Jan Berenstain, finished and published by Jan Berenstain. And I don't know if I'm going to take a look at it next time, but I'm going to take a look at it because it falls between these two books. It's still a product of its time. Uh, they didn't really modernize it or anything. They Honestly, it doesn't really seem like they edited it at all before they published it. Just cleaned up the art and slapped it between two hardcovers. So 
Maybe next time I'll take a look at Nothing Ever Happens at the North Pole. Maybe I will skip on ahead to the next book. We will see. Join me next time. And thank you for listening. If you want, you can follow the Berenstain Bearcast on Twitter. It is at Bstain Bearcast. So there's that. Uh, again, we are on WordPress at berensteinbearcast.wordpress.com. So you can uh, go there. We are available on iTunes now or any place that you want to listen to your podcast through if you're not an iTunes person like me. I'm, I mean, I'm not an iTunes person. I don't have any of that stuff. I, I'm just a guy. I'm just some guy. All right. So join me next time for Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I am Phil Gonzalez, and I will see you later. Later.